Welcome, everybody, to another edition of Suave Talk presented by Dyer's Top Rods. And Turbo, it's been a hot minute. You've been busy. I've been busy. I actually survived COVID. But here we are on October 6th, and we are back together. How the hell have you been? Uh, I've been good. Racing sucks. I feel like I've had a fly tire every night for the last month and a half. But, <laughs> no, it's been all right. I mean, we've just been racing. uh we went to Brownstown for the World 100, Jackson 100. There was like 60 cars. It was a really, really You couldn't even field. move in that place. <laughs> oh, my goodness. That guy made a million dollars, and we raced for 10000 So shout out to Jackson County Fairgrounds because that was a huge event they had. And uh, honestly, that was probably one of the best tracks we've been to in the last uh, probably month and a half, I'd say. Yeah, and not having the World 100, you're in Indiana, and not having the Knoxville Nationals definitely helped out that event. You could clearly tell. Yeah, there was people everywhere. It was it was crazy, and the, really, in the feature, for whatever reason, they just they moved those tires around, watered a little bit, and it, it always seems to race really good in the feature. So, um, yeah, that was a huge, huge event. And then, uh, you know, we went to Pittsburgh since we haven't spoke. We went to, where else have we been? Uh, I-80 round two. I-80 round two was a pretty big event. The, Ko- the Koiski family, they put on probably one of the better, best paying races as far as pay down goes all year. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm happy that they did that. They kind of hang their necks out, put on such a big, big purse money race. And, uh, you know, that's, it's just awesome that they do that and kind of give back to us racers a little bit. Yeah, did you know that I got COVID? I was uh, out for 10 days. Where'd you get it at? I think I got it in Ohio. Like immediately following after like Fairbury, like the Thursday after I tested negative and then, or the Wednesday after I texted negative. So I had to like quarantine for uh, 10 days. I got back last Sunday. So all is good. Uh, got really lucky. Didn't have a uh, crazy symptoms. I had a head cold, but it was crazy times. But I think I got it in Ohio, not at the race itself, but kind of looking back and talking to the health department. It was like somewhere in St. Henry at uh, one of the restaurants we ate at. So it was a kind of a crazy time for me. But all's good now, and I'm going to Fairbury this weekend. Cannot wait for that. But moving on, you haven't won a race since mid-July. How do you stay positive and upbeat? You've had some good runs, but assess, assess your last 45 days because we haven't had a show since August 25th. Yeah, it's just, I mean, it's tough. Like, I-80, um, I was really good there and had a flat uh, with, like, 20 to go and, Ended up still running top 10. Brownstown never qualified good, but ended up running 6th and 7th, I think. And then uh, last week at Pittsburgh, I had I had a total of four flats. I had two in the feature, and then when we got back from the track we washed yesterday, and all four tires were flat. So it's just, um, I don't know, man. It's We're not slow, but it's just tough. Like, I went to Florence, that race Bobby won, and ran third behind him and Josh Rice. So, I mean, I don't think we were – we were bad and we haven't been slow it's just racing's not easy and it takes a lot of luck and a lot of things going your way and really these aren't my this isn't my favorite time of the year this little swing i'd, I'd like to go to fairbury and sonoya and places like that but part of running tour you got to race uh you know you got to race every track that's on the schedule and we're just trying to grind through it and uh 
Portsmouth's definitely the, the one we're looking forward to. Uh, Dixie and Rome, the weather's 50-50 right now. But, I mean, if that's where we end up racing, uh, you know, we just got to – me and Randall and Clint, we got to put our heads together and try to find some sped, I guess. How about the USA 100 at Beckley, that slide job takeover with you and Zach Dome? That was wild. And then we actually saw you in Salina during the Intercontinental Classic week, and you were talking about that. That was a wild change of, uh, exchange of events there, and you had uh, Chase Jenkins there. It was a great weekend there for you, too. Yeah, Beckley, that weekend was good. We had a brand-new car, uh, ran good at Ponderosa, and then at Portsmouth we had a really good car, and, blew up early in the feature so we decided to go to Beckley just we didn't uh have a good money weekend so we decided to go to Beckley and uh the track was awesome really it was it was everything uh that you see in videos and more it had a cushion literally like two foot oh it was almost over the wall in three and four and you could race all over it Zach was on the bottom I was on the top and you know after the race we were shooting the shit and he was like man that was awesome like I can't believe you passed me back last two laps. I didn't know you were that close. I was like, I really wasn't, but it was, it was fun. That was, that was definitely our, probably our best run in the last month, and just came up a little bit short at the end. Uh, I've still yet to win a hundred lap race. I just, I've got a feeling it'll be, uh, you know, hopefully Portsmouth, and if not, maybe why not at the end of the year there. How bananas and nuts is it? I was thinking about this the other day when I was scrolling through all the Swab Talk archive. We did Steve Francis and Hot Carl in early March, both of them back to back, and now we're in, now we're in October. Did you ever think we would get this many races in and all these opportunities for you as drivers to make money, all these racetracks making good money because the crowds have been big? Did you ever think 2020 racing would be like this back in March when we were interviewing those two? No, I mean, there was a lot of, you know, doubt. I think everyone had a lot of doubt what we were going to get to do and stuff, but... I think once racing did get back going, people were, I, I don't know if people took it for granted before, but they were just a lot more excited to be able to go and see and participate. So the car counts have been really big for the most part everywhere we've went. And the fans are, I mean, there's more fans, at, like I said, at Brownstown and places like that than I've ever seen. So it's been a, I mean, it's been a cool year. It's been different. I think a lot of people, including myself, would like for it to just be over and you know, start fresh and have a normal year next year. But it's a, definitely a one-of-a-kind year, and I don't think uh, I don't think it'll ever be recreated. You know, with all the special events and invite-only races and stuff like that, it's just uh, it's been something that, you know, we'll all remember for the rest of our lives. Yeah, no doubt about that in the words of Mike Norris. And you've been a DOD guy for a long time. And one of the biggest storylines of 2020 – was that top three battle with Brandon Overton, Brandon Shepard, and Jimmy Owens, but now there's a fourth driver coming into the mix here late in the season and Tim McCready. Have you ever seen a four-car battle like we've seen throughout the entire year? Because it's been fun for the fans. It's been fun for the media. I don't know if it's been fun, fun for you at the racetrack, but it's definitely one of the biggest storylines. Yeah, it's uh, not very often you have four guys that, you know, have been as dominant in their own time area you know for a, a certain amount of time as these guys have like the way the year started you pretty much bet that jimmy was going to be the driver of the year and then he kind of simmers down here and there but i mean his simmering down still you know running top five and contending he just breaks or something happens but 
McCready's definitely turned it on the last month, month and a half. And I mean, he started the year so good that it's kind of weird that we left him out of the picture because at Brunswick and East Bay, he was, he was on it. So, um, yeah, it's cool. Normally, like I said, normally one guy pretty much stands out as the, the best race of the year in my mind, but it's, it's been tough, especially, you know, these last couple of weeks, McCready's been stealing a lot of big ones when Overton and, and Shep and Jimmy are all there. So, it's just, it's hard to say the year's been so weird. And for a while there, I feel like Overton, you know, that was, we only raced in his area. Those at the beginning of the year, a lot of those COVID races. And I mean, he's done really good. And then he went to Cedar Lake and won. So I, I couldn't put my, I couldn't put my name. I couldn't pick a number one right now, honestly. I mean, all four of them, if you were to line all four of them up tonight, you know, wherever they may go, it's, it's a crapshoot, which one would win. I don't matter. I don't think it matters where you're at in the country. So um, I would be interested to see, you know, who gets picked number one. Uh, well, you get to pick this year. Tonight. You're part of the, you're part of the process. You're a DOD guy now. We'll, we're going to get your input on it. We all vote for it. You're going to pick this year. So you got to be ready for that. Can you handle that? Yeah, I could, I mean, I can handle that. I just need to see after Portsmouth, I'll tell you who's number one. Cause I think all four will be there. And if McCready, I don't know if we'll race this weekend, you know, with the weather, but like if McCready goes to Portsmouth and just dominate, dominates, I think uh, that would be the deciding factor. I, I, if one of those four were to win Portsmouth, I think that might be the icing on the cake because it's changed almost every weekend, you know. And Jimmy's not far out. I mean, he's he's going to win the points by like one of the largest margins ever. So um, I think whoever could win Portsmouth because that's how the poll works, isn't it? It's a who's who's hot now, not uh, you know yearly total, isn't that how the how the that's the how the works? that's how the poll works. So when I vote, I go sixty percent of what they've done, you know, the last week or two, thirty percent maybe in terms of your whole season. Just like in like a college basketball or football, if like Alabama loses a game, they're still going to be you know in the top two or three, and they and then I go looking for like okay, they got these races left. Can they win him? So I have a mixture of most, but yes, like you're correct. The poll is how you've done recently and stuff like that. But the driver of the year includes everything, all your stats, all your money, all your wins and victories, top five. So it's very different when we do the driver of the year thing. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's what I mean. After Portsmouth, I think that would be the telltale because they're, they're probably fairly close money wise. Shep might be ahead just because he wins, you know, so many outlaw races, but, um, I think Portsmouth, that'll be the deciding factor. Anything after that, you know, not everyone shows up to the, the last five or six races after that. So after Portsmouth, I can tell you who my number one is. Let's go. PRP is going to be the place to be for the DTWC. But moving on, Berkey of the Week. I love this segment. Turbo, what do you got for us? Uh, mine's the Pittsburgher. The tire, tire situation we had, it was like they had a red at lap 40. And I think myself, Josh, and like five other people had flats. Then you get going a little bit, and five or six more blew out. Jimmy, I think Jimmy made it the longest. He was the last person to blow out. He made like 95 laps, and he blew out. And then, you know, the crazy part is the two people that didn't pit, Ricky Thornton and Stormy, they ran first and fourth. And at one point, Stormy was literally the last car on the lead lap before the red flag. And I talked to him, and he was like, yeah, it's just – like when the tires, when the tires, when we took back off on that red, like the 40 just came in and like, I just started passing people back. So I think, uh, you know, tire races like Batesville, Pittsburgh now, I guess I, I like tire changing pitting races. That's just, to me, that blows my mind. That's not really what, 
we do, I guess, but it is part of, you know, the different races we go to. And that was my Berkey of the week because we're back to a tired dilemma race. Portsmouth can be like that too. Portsmouth, there's a lot of times where they like all blow out the day races and stuff. So I think uh, maybe it's that time of year with cold weather, rain outs, you get to race during the day, whatever the reason is. Um, you know, it's just a tired game. And Ricky Thornton obviously won that. Yeah, it's no fun either as a fan, a driver, especially to a race going like that. And remember Scott Bloomquist's favorite quote, his most memorable one at DOD was when, as far as I'm concerned, I lasted the longest on the original tires. I won the race. They got a gift. So it was kind of one of those things that we saw at Pittsburgh last weekend. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. My Berkey of the Week is something, as a kid, growing up, early May, to Labor Day, Fairbury was done every single year. That was how my life was for 29 years. Well, the last two years, Falls has made this 15 grand race. So my Berkey of the week is Falls is racing in October. I know you would like to be there. That's one of your favorite tracks, and you unfortunately weren't be able, weren't not able to go there this weekend. But Falls is becoming one of the you know premier tracks, just having special events, especially here in 2020. And now the Prairie Dirt's going to be 50 grand. Matt Curl and gang, they don't get enough credit that they're making that place, you know, even they're the first ones that have weekly $2,500 a win, and I feel like people say I'm a homer, And but if you talk to you, Kyle Bronson, they know what the hell they're doing there. Yeah, Fairbury is, if you've never been, you don't understand it. I saw some people were bitching a little bit about the, the midweek race before I-80 where they were like, oh, it's so rough, only seven cars finished or whatever, but... What people don't understand is like it's a thousand dollars from last to tenth, and if it's like Fairbury is hard on stuff because like that particular night is just get it on and you know the top the top five that was I mean that was an awesome race they were changing sliding you know you didn't really know who was gonna win I thought Josh was gonna win really and then you know Shep turned it on at the end but Fairbury is it's just awesome the atmosphere the people. Um, if, if I could pick a home track, that's where I would race every weekend. I would, I'd have to get a sponsor for T-bars and quarter panels, <laughs> but it's just, like, it's worth it. Like, there's not many places you go knowing you're going to tear the deck out that you're like, oh, that's all right. But, like, that's one of those places where you know you can do it, and it's not the only option. You can still run the middle. You can still run the bottom, and it, it always races good. Like, it, it's, it's exciting. Like, if you watch a race from Fairbury, whether if you think it sucks or not that night, it's pretty exciting to watch and that's that's what i like as a fan and as a racer i like something where you know a guy could win or you're watching sheppy and he's in fifth and you're like holy crap he's the fastest car like he could take the lead if this plays out and you know that's 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 all you want in racing you just want something that's exciting and not where they line up and you're like oh well josh Rice on the outside pole at florence he's gonna win tonight yeah and at portsmouth they've been improving their place and Mason Ziegler told me they might go to three to four K to win on weekly shows there every single night. So you see tracks like Fairbury and Port uh, Port Royal. Sorry, I meant to say Port Royal. You see all these tracks that are improving it because they know if they give back to that, the racers will come, the fans will come. And after 2020, seeing all these fans at all these tracks, I think we're going to start seeing more and more tracks, at least regionally and nationally, up their pay a little bit. Yeah, I mean they should. That's that's something I think we've all kind of said as racers like people don't really truly understand the you know it's not the we know it's expensive and it's not a, a cry for help everyone knows it's expensive if you don't have the money to do it you can't do it but just the you know if we run 40 50 laps it needs to it needs to pay accordingly we can't run 100 laps for 10,000 or 5,000 that's just that's not realistic for us our motor bills are so expensive that 
it just it doesn't make sense to us. So, you know, if you can go to a weekly race or a local race that's thirty or forty laps and pays three to five thousand to win, I mean, if you do the math on it, you got to run like fourth in a Lucas Oil race to make three thousand dollars. So, it's uh it's good for to keep a lot of racers in racing. You can't. There's only so many people that can run a tour, and there's only so many people that can race weekly. And if if there's no races for everyone to go to, if there's only one ten thousand to win every weekend, and there's sixty cars like there was at Brownstown. It makes it tough for people to, you know, justify spending all that money to go race, knowing, hey man, best I can walk out of here with a thousand bucks. Like I'm not going to beat Jonathan Davenport this week, or, you know. So, I'm happy. I mean, I think all the local tracks should take notes. And, I mean, Beckley was a really good paying race that kind of flew under the radar. I mean, I've never been there, and you know the, the management of the time and things like that could definitely use some work, but. The pay down was awesome for a hundred lap race, and uh, you know that that's what we need in racing. You can't you can't just have one major series and everybody on it. So you got to have the local races that pay good. You got to have your Atomics and Florence and places like that that pay five thousand once a month, and that kind of keeps people going and gives everybody a little bit of boost. Yeah, Falls is fifteen grand this weekend, and our guest this week was the national champion of the summer nationals champion brian shirley your boy you spent a lot of time with them when you run the summer ran the summer nationals and running the world of outlaws at a young age so this is a pretty good special interview for you and me yeah squirrel's my boy me kyle and squirrel we go way back and uh he's just he's funny people that don't know him they they might think he's a dick or something but he's just uh he's just one of those guys that, like once you get to know him like he has a really good personality and He's a real serious racer, but at the same time, you know, we get in the Cadillac and go to lunch. It's, he's probably one of the most fun people to hang out with. So, yeah, I, I love Squirrel, and I appreciate everything he's ever done for me. And here's our guest now from Chatham, Illinois, Brian Shirley. Okay. I, I do like Joining us now on the Integra Shocks and Springs Hotline is Knoxville's Nationals champion, plenty of Hell Tours champion. It's the Squirrel, Brian Shirley. And Squirrel, i got to ask you, do you like the nickname? Because uh, usually, it. like, a squirrel, like, squirrely is, like, a bad thing in racing. Yeah, it's definitely not one of my favorite nicknames, uh, <laughs> but I, just unfortunately it was stuck, and that's what everybody calls me. I like XR1 XR Squirrel. squirrel. Yeah, yeah, I gave him that nickname, yeah. XR Squirrel. That's XR Squirrel is a lot better than just Squirrel. Uh, I mean, I think Squirrel probably had to come from, just talk about back in the day, flat track motorcycling piercings frosted tips like it's a totally different like i never knew you then but like now you're so just like mellow calm cool collected like just kind of talk about like you know racing the motorcycles and things like that and how you switched you know into cars and and then you got to hit on the piercings and the, the frosted tips too. yeah well let's that, go to the racing first we'll, yeah, go, we'll racing. go with the racing i mean we did i started racing when i was 12 and was pretty good at it so we hit it pretty hard and uh won a lot of races and everything and and then uh, once we got up to, like, a certain level where you become a professional, because, uh, like, in motorcycle racing, it's, like, levels. Yeah. So you just can't jump in and be like, hey, I'm going to go race with the best guys in the business. And then as more you got better and better, like, that's the thing. Image was everything. So, like, when you was young and coming up, you had a little, you know, cockiness to you. <laughs> I mean, that's just what those guys did. Like, some of the guys that were in my age group and stuff, I mean, it was just all about image. So, you know, the frosted tips and the earring was just part of the image that went with that uh, criteria to try and, you know, that way the girls liked you. Hell yeah. This is flat track, though. This was one, wasn't like super cross people. Yeah, wasn't no, at home. no. We ran a lot of arena cross and stuff like that and outdoor uh, motocross. 
just to keep training and stuff like that. But I was definitely, I was raised around flat tracks. So I felt like I was pretty good at motocross, but just never had nobody to, you know, lead me into that direction. When you were flat track racing, tell the people at home, what's it like? Because you guys are on like big half mile tracks, throwing sliders. Am I right? I see these like ultimate highlights where these guys are just like inches from dying, it looks like. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, you're on half miles, miles. I mean, short tracks, TTs. I mean, it's definitely, it's the most adrenaline rush. Like I thought racing cars is pretty good, but there's nothing like going about a buck 40 on the Springfield Mile. And just, <laughs> I mean, you just barreled off in there wide open. And, uh, you know, with a guy next to you that physically can reach out and touch you, it's definitely something that, you, you know, most people will never experience. Any nice, nasty crashes that comes to mind? Or? Oh, yeah, twice. I, I wrecked at Indy on the Indy, and then I wrecked at Springfield, and I was really the one that did it in, and they really weren't even my fault. A guy just fell in front of me, and when he fell, he slid back across, and I hit him. And when you hit somebody about, you know, 100 mile an hour, it's pretty rough. <laughs> That's crazy. So your AMA, is that what it was called? Mm -hmm. I think cause I remember yeah, doing AMA. that champion video. Yep. All of a sudden, there's something in your mind like, okay, let's go super late model racing. How the hell did this come about? Did you know about dirt late model racing growing up and stuff like that? No, no. Actually, uh, when I went to the garage dating, her dad had a modified, and I happened to go to a race one uh, weekend over at Macon. I think it was the Herald Review or somewhere in there. And... Uh, I seen like Bab and Moyer and all these guys rolling in and I was like, man, these guys, you know, they fucking get it on and they're making pretty good money. And that's what it really boiled down to. The flat track never, I looked at all the guys that were successful and they were like, you know, still at the end of the day when they retired, they still had to, you know, have a job or race while they had a job. And, you know, since we've been racing cars, I mean, that's all we do, fortunately. So we're lucky not to have to have a day job on top of racing. All right, so just kind of hit from there. You know, you got a super late model. I've talked to you about it before. You said you had a Rayburn when you first got going, uh, you and Jake owe your dad. And then just, like, you know, talk about getting hooked up with Petrov, going from there. Uh, I mean, who else? You drove for Riggs, and then now with Bob, just kind of hit on, you know, driving. Big key moments. Big yeah, key yeah, moments. just driving for them guys and, like, what was, like, kind of transitioned into the next step, you know, the next part of your career. Yeah, that was uh, It's crazy because, like, when you talk about Petrov, like, me and my dad did it for a while on our own and that was the thing like every time you get to a point when you're racing and you're like man you can race all year you can make it but then it, when it come to rebuilding everything it was like you were just tapped out and uh you know Petrov was like called me one day and I was done I was just he called me say hey, man I got this car I was like man I don't need a car I got you already had two cars one motor so what you know what the hell is three cars and one motor and uh so he, I said, I appreciate it. And then uh, I think the next day he called me back. He said, you, you think you take that offer on me yet? And I was like, no, man. I said, you know, so that went on for about a day or two. And uh, he called me again. He said, just come get this car. So I went and got it. I don't even know why, because I'm telling you, I was done. Like, I, that was the weirdest thing. Like, I was done. It seemed like, you know, he, he was just admin about come get it come get it kind of like when we even switched to rockets we you know at that point i was kind of had a bad season flipped and then we go get that new rocket car and heck i think we won like 12 races in a row and then we went and won knox but i mean it was just like you know you know how it is like certain times of the, when you think 
that this is it, this is over, and then boom, something happened. And uh, that's how Ed happened. He, he's like, here, just come get this car. Well, then the next day I went and got the car. The next day he called me and said, here, come get this motor. He, you know, he bought me another motor. I mean, for like two weeks, it was like Christmas. I mean, this guy was like, here, come get this, come get this. And I was like, holy cow. So he definitely is, you know, a big part of why I am here uh, racing-wise because uh, between him and Bob, they were two parts of my life that I felt like I was, you know, I was, you know, ready to, I just didn't know where the next, you know, the dollar was going to come. And, and then, uh, even with Bob, you know, I had to give up, uh, I ended up selling everything cause my wife got sick and, uh, I was fortunate that Bob, for some reason, it was actually this race, uh, Bob called me and he called me for two weeks. He's, and I wasn't even two weeks, I think it was like a week and I, and I turned him down twice and yeah. he's like, man, I just promised if you come race my car, because that sleeper had a blood clot. And uh, Bob's like, you just come race my car. I promise you I'll make it worth your while. And I was like, man, I've never been key on driving other people's cars, because you just you don't know where they're at, you know right, what I mean, and where they're right. set up. And he's like, just come do it. He said, I'll make sure you're okay. And fuck, it was a life changer, you know. I mean, it was like a flip of a coin that, I, I mean, really twice yeah. I told him no, and he just called me back. And and uh heck my life's four times better because of bob we'll go back to the knoxville nationals i watched you race for a long time i'm from central illinois so i've seen you around the bull rings when you won that night and i get on 4m and i'm like holy shit brian shirley won the knoxville nationals and he had to go back to the rear how great was that car that night and how awesome and emotional night was that for you because that was kind of a coming out party for brian shirley yeah it was definitely big um i don't know i wouldn't say maybe i got lucky and won before i should i feel like i'm better now it's just you know how like sometimes when you it was like that night that was the first night i ran four bar car yeah uh, we went there with swing arm because we had won 12 races in a row on swing arm brand new rocket car and then mark's like listen you just can't get it done at this track like this and mark set the car up and then i knew petrov he got on there and he did like he started cranking the left rear the wedge and hoff and i mean they started doing some things and it was just one of those deals that it just physically worked out. Um, it was probably the best car. I have no clue why it was so good. We we came home, we wrote everything down, duplicated it, went back the next year. I think we won a preliminary night, and the best it could do was eighth. You yeah. know, so it just shows you that you know every year dirt just changes, things change. But for that night, it was physically. Uh, I don't. I don't. Still to this day, I have no clue why it was that good of a race car. Be honest. How? Like, what point in the race did you know? Like, holy cow! Like, I can win this thing. Like, was it halfway, or you started passing cars right away and stuff like that? Uh, no. Honestly, I felt like the night before, I actually ran ninth. I think ninth or tenth. But we started twentieth, and like we got to lap fifteen, lap twenty. All of a sudden, we're just like picking them off, picking them off, and I was like holy cow, if we could do that in a 100-lap race, you know, that's that's what's the hardest part about a 100-lap race. You want to be going forward and uh, not backwards. And that car, for some reason, about lap, we were eight, we were always able to go forward the whole night, but lap 80, like, it was just like we were a half second faster than everybody. Yeah, okay, okay. And so, like, that little streak you said, you won 12 in a row, won there. And then, like, this year for a while, like, I know you were, like, just kind of down, down, like, Things just weren't going your way. And we even and talked about that in LaSalle, me and you did in the yeah. interview, so yeah. we could all kind of tell that yeah. just wasn't 2020, wasn't a year so far then. Yeah, I mean, and just kind of, like, it's hard for people to understand how, how hard it is to be good and be consistently good. Like, they see Shep or JD or Overton get on a hot streak, and they're just like, oh, that guy's just better. Like, just kind of explain, like, 
like I think you switched cars, right? You switched yeah. to a newer car yeah, and then just like to... turn the whole year around. Like just kind of explain like how hard it is to stay pumped up because I know you're emotional. I am too. Like it's it's easy to get down about the whole deal and like I mean all it takes is one good night to get things turned around, get a little bit of confidence, and then you're back rolling. So just kind of you know explain what you think made it different. Obviously changing the car did or the crew or whatever. Just kind of explain what what you think made it made you you know start climbing the hill again this year. Yeah, well, for, um, you know, that early part of the season, we were doing things that I just wasn't used to. So I couldn't grasp my head the physical setup part of the car. And so the hard part was is just not understanding, um, you know, the the way that this is how we were going to do things. And it, and it just wasn't working out for me. You know, there's, um, you know, it's like Sheppy's car. I, I could probably get in Sheppy's car and probably not go as fast as he does because it's it's just not the way it sits in my seat. So um, that was the toughest part was just finding my comfort zone. And I was going out there day in and day out, you know, when you go on the track and you don't have the car the way you want it. And then, uh, you know, we decided to go through a few changes. And then Bob was like, listen, maybe this car is something wrong with it. So when we started the health tour, we just broke out a brand new car and you know maybe sometimes just with it being fresh and everything brand new and and then i was back making the the, the decisions and i just felt like i found uh like when i go into every race now like i start one spot we're there for a while like i felt like we were all over the place as far as trying to get the car comfortable and i just couldn't find out where i wanted to be yeah and we've had this talk before Shepard obviously is in a different situation because he's with Rocket Team One. It's a lot easier for him to go out there and race; doesn't have to worry about it. You got to tune on the car. Bobby Pierce, Shannon Babb, you know, multiple guys in the past. They can't really. It's hard for them to run a national tour because you have so much money at home for two to three months. So just discuss that you were going to try it this, and then you're like, you know what? Things aren't going the way he's playing. We can go to something that we're used to. We can go win races. It's it's a tough decision for an Illinois guy once June hits. Yeah, for sure. I mean, and that's what it really boils down to is these tracks around here, I I could go to them, and when I didn't have the feel that I was looking for, like when you race a track like you've raced day in and out, day in and out every year, every, you know what feel you're looking for. And that was really the situation that helped me the most was going back to racetracks um, that I knew the type of feel that I needed to have to win the race. And that was just such a big deal to go there, find out, you know, hey, this car isn't the way it should be, was able to tune on it and get it better. And then with them races being around home, it's just a lot easier than driving 10 or 12 hours to go up and down the road. Be honest with me, has the Summer Nationals lost its lust than when you first started? Um, You know, I, I don't know. It's it's such We're in such a different era as far as the way we do things and just the way it started um i still feel like it's the same you know you you when i first started uh you know bab really dominated the situation and then you know uh you had pierce there that was really good i feel like we've been really good so it's just kind of changed people but there's still always the same amount of really cars that follow the whole thing you know it's just uh Unfortunately, I'm guess I'm just not Bobby Pierce or Shannon Babb, so it's just not that big of a deal that we win. Oh, okay, there we go. Is that a shot at us or what? Yeah. No, it's shit. It don't matter. To me. <laughs> Heck, I don't. I don't. As, at the end of the day, as long as the check goes home in the yellow truck, 
That's all that matters. <laughs> That's the way I see it. You're there to win, don't yeah. matter where at. I mean, 10,000 is 10,000. Who's, yeah. who's there, I mean, what's there. When you guys show up or Kyle shows up or anybody shows up, I mean, chase them guys. I just don't underestimate the competition as much as maybe everybody else does because they don't realize it's still just as tough. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah, it is tough to come in and run – you know, a Lucas race or a World of Outlaw race, but I promise you it's just as tough to come in and run a world or a UMP race. And, that, and that's – we talked about that at LaSalle in my interview with you post-race. You would see like a Billy Moyer, Shannon Babb went off like eight or nine in a row and Pierce did like eight or nine two or three years ago. I think it's just so gosh dang more tougher to be consistent every single night because you have mentioned it, Shannon Babb has mentioned it. If you're just a tick off, you're just going to be out to lunch. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. I mean, you can see – one night a guy, uh, you know, say bad winter race or myself, and then the next night he might run fifth or sixth. It's just, I mean, even Big Billy. Big Billy is still, I mean, as good as he was. He might not be, you know, as good as he was back in his early years, but he still can win a race hands down, and uh, it's just that much tougher. I mean, now he comes in, and he's still competitive, but he might only run third or second, you know, in a summer national race, but it's just, it's just a tough deal. It's not easy to win races anymore every day what is one summer nationals moment or memory that doesn't involve you but you can just remember everybody talking about it like throughout the 24 hours you gotta be super chef right or you remember that <laughs> yeah i remember super chef <laughs> uh heck i don't even know what would be probably the best 24 hours of a summer national moment clarksville this year guys shooting up fighting yeah there was ar-15s yeah, posted that, up that was Clarks. pretty crazy and you the best part was you didn't you didn't even know anything was going on you're no, nice sound sleeping, asleep sleeping and, so listen uh, to that people he's a good guy he's uh he's a good boy he was sleeping the whole yeah, time. yeah i was i i looked at my phone in the morning and i thought something was wrong because i had like freaking 20 missed calls i was like holy cow hopefully nobody died last night <laughs> and then i realized there was a standoff in that deal so that was crazy yeah <laughs> I mean, I stayed at the shop quite a bit. You, I mean, everybody knows I stayed on the road for a long time there, and I stayed at the shop and, you know, hung out with everybody there. Jaco, I mean, he's one of my favorite people when I come to the shop there. But just kind of talk about, like, for like a lot of people don't like people coming into their shop. I know, like, I don't think anyone ever stayed at the best shop before I got there, and now Kyle's been there, and, you know, people come and go. Just kind of explain – I mean, I guess that you're just that type of person. Like, I didn't even really know. I was like, hey, man, you think I could use your shop for a couple weeks or two? And, you know, just talk about the people, you know. I know me and Kyle stayed there quite a bit, and I think Culp's been there, Stinger. Just, uh, you know, you're, you're just that type of guy. You Like, if we needed a place to say, hey, you come to shop, we get the boys to come wash the truck. Like, uh, I mean, I guess just what makes you, you know, that type of person that you, you don't care if someone's in the shop while you're there and we're all working. And, uh, you know, just talk about some of the – I guess some of the better times of me and Kyle or whoever's been there and some of the, you know, just other experiences outside of racing because, you know, you're just that open arms about letting people come. Yeah, no, it shoot, I don't – it don't matter to me who comes to the shop. Uh, at the end of the day, if it was, you know, my worst enemy and he needed a place to go, it's just the type of person I am. I mean, we've – heck, over the years, uh, Ashton just come the other day. I think we've had Lanigan uh, there when – not Lanigan, but um, I was thinking of Barry Wright. We had Barry Wright there a couple times. Uh, that's how I actually first met Anthony. So uh, I don't know. It just I like to get along with everybody. You know, when we put the helmet on, we're definitely all focused and and want to do what we got to do to win the race. But you know, at the end of the day, uh, it's like going the other day. We were going somewhere to a summer national race. I blew out a tire. Fager's behind me, and you know he pulls over with me. Physically changed the tire in 15 minutes. 
and uh, he didn't, you know, he doesn't have to. It's just, it's just about being a good person, and and uh, like yourself, when you live in Texas, it's a long ways to go home. So, um, you know, we live in, fortunately in the right spot for a lot of people to be able to stop buying. Just like Kyle's coming by, you know, he comes over a lot, and uh, you know, I always say when this COVID deal happened, you never realize like probably the best part of your day is going and eating lunch with your buddies yeah so um whenever you can stop by or anybody can stop by that's that's really some of the highlights of your you know the fun times is you get to go bullshit and eat lunch with your buddies and and uh until that was taken away you never realized like that was a really big part of your life so all right give me your best kyle bronson story i know i love (laughs) you gotta give me your best kyle bronson you've been around him and sonny or who give me your best kyle bronson story you ain't even got to do the impression i'll do the impression you just you tell the story man (laughs) you know what i'm saying got it so bad if i tell people you gotta tell him you gotta tell you gotta tell a story he's gonna be so mad tell a story this is the podcast everything goes here i'll tell you one story about being at your shop that you figured out the next day i'll tell you but you gotta tell us a bronze story then i'll tell you my best squirrel story being he's gonna give me so so much help do it this just happened the other day coming back from bob's we went to eat for to bob's i was like I'm not in the same vehicle as them. It's Bob and Kyle. I think it's, you know his girlfriend and Sonny. And Kyle's like, oh, and Jimmy's in there too. That's yeah. the best part. Jimmy is in there. And Jimmy was, I'm telling you, he had to be like, holy shit. So all of a sudden, Kyle's like, Bob, pull over. He's like, what? I can't pull over. And he's like, I got to take shit. He's like, no, where you can take shit? He's like, pull over. I got to take shit. So... He physically takes a shit on the side of the road. Sonny <laughs> <laughs> takes his socks off so he can wipe his ass. <laughs> oh, so he's going to hate me so bad. But, I mean, I had to tell. That's the best story that could come along. And and that's why I love Kyle because he don't, you know, he's just, he's just an all-around natural. That guy would give your freaking, his shirt off your back to anybody. And uh, he's just a good person. Yeah. All right. My one squirrel story, I was there one night. It was when Chad worked for you. It was me, Chad, Caitlin, and uh, – Chad's girlfriend at the time. We're bored. We're rolling around Springfield. It's like two in the morning. Well, okay, it started about eleven, and uh, Chad was like, "Let's go to the strip club." I was like, "All right." I was like nineteen. I was like, "He's like, you can get in here." I was like, "All right." Yeah, well, deja vu. Deja vu. I've never been. I just heard about it. So, <laughs> hey, Caitlin was like, "We are not going to." She is not having it. I was like, "Come on, Caitlin, let's go. Just we'll go in. Like it's all cool." So we go in, and me and Chad go straight in. Well, like Caitlin and Chad's girl that he was with at the time, they go in the bathroom. Well, they come out, and I had a crew guy with me named Swifty. If anybody knows, he used to work for Hubbard, Chad, funny guy. He, uh, we come in, well, like three minutes later, they come out, and there's these two girls that don't look a day over, like, 18, and we're like, what's going on here? Like, they were just there by themselves, and we're like, what is going on, this and that. And I had a crew guy named Scooby. He was, was during Summer Nationals? Uh, I think so, probably. Yeah, I think I remember a little well, bit anyways, of this story. So we, we sit in here for 20 minutes, and they're talking to these people, and Deja Vu is dead on a Tuesday night in Springfield. <laughs> so we're just sitting there hanging out, and uh, these girls are like, yeah, it was our birthday, so we wanted to come to the strip club, this and that. Well, long story short, we end up leaving. Well, they ride back with us because they took a cab. Like, they didn't have a car. They, it was a very strange situation. We get back to Squirrel Shop, and we're all kind of drinking, hanging out. And this one girl has, like, a fit, and is like, you're getting me. You're getting me. They're going to kidnap me. Take me to the truck stop. And we're like, what is going on? I'm telling you, it was wild. And I was like, I, this is probably the second time I say it squirrels. I was like, God dang, cops are going to come here. He's never going to let me come. I was scared to death. So it ended up all happening. Chad and Swifty had to, like, go drop these two girls off at a truck stop. And they got a cab because they were, like, they thought they were getting kidnapped. Like, they drank two, 
like hot ISIS and then we're like blacked out and it was just a bad bad deal <laughs> and I was like man I don't want to tell Squirrel I don't want this to come out he's gonna be mad and yeah that was like the that was probably the craziest thing that's ever happened oh, yeah. to me like I was just thinking of like all the worst case scenarios and luckily Caitlin was there with me because if she wouldn't have been there and we'd yeah, have went oh it'd have been a bad deal but yeah, that surely counted you. Yeah, but yeah. he also remember the time that guy backed into the caddy. Yeah, he was, oh, all, he yeah, was yeah. so nervous. So about another that. time, a squirrel has always got these cheap cars, and uh, it was I went to Shep's. We went to Shep's Bar and Grill, and we were sitting there eating. Well, me and Shep and Caitlin and Michaela, we all go to this guy's house. We're sitting there. This guy comes in and he's like, "Hey man, I just backed into that car." And I was like, "Whose car?" <laughs> this and like Squirrel had this caddy, and it was probably the cleanest car he ever gave me to drive around. And this guy dented the shit out of it, and I was like, "Oh my god, man, it's not even my car." I come back, he's like, "Oh shit, I know that guy. It ain't no big deal. His dad's a good dude." We we go way back. I was like, "What? Like what are the odds that the guy that backs into this car, Squirrel, already knows who he is?" So yeah, I've I've. I always, like, I'm on eggshells because, like, I know how Squirrel is. I'm the same way. Like, I'm very clean, OCD. And that is one thing. He's always like, hey, man, I appreciate you cleaning the shop. Like, like I always, I don't want to tear his shit up, but I have a bad habit of just putting myself in bad spots. So. Yeah, you're, you're like his godfather, I think. Yeah, uh, yeah. I don't know if you want to get to that. He tried to be my stepdad, I think. He yeah, wanted I to. I mean, I've definitely tried to talk to his mom a couple times. <laughs> the old dad doesn't. He ain't giving up off of her. <laughs> All right, you love Illinois. You're from Illinois. You love Illinois racing. I'm just gonna ask you right now: Who's your, in your mind, the top five greatest Illinois drivers, late Squirrel, model drivers? You're in there. Squirrels in there. Well, we had to ask him, then we'll ask you. I know. I'm putting him in there. Though. Yeah. Ah, uh, man, it's. I don't really know like a lot of the. We'll do current late models. Yeah, cause, or current I mean, day. Yeah, because I don't really know. You know, a lot of the. You know the older guys. You know what I'm saying. I mean, so if I was gonna say who are the top five, I'd definitely say Sheppy. Bab, uh, Pierce, you know, Fager's been uh, good, too. And then, you know, I would put myself, obviously, in there because I, I feel like I've done, you know, represented. No love for Dennis? Oh, uh, yeah. Dennis won the dream. Dennis yeah, Dennis. The dream. Yeah, I'd definitely yeah. throw Dennis in there, too. He's he's really good. And I'd even throw Weaver. Weaver in his time has been really good. That so. a boy. You ever got a scuffle with him? With Weaver? On the track? I'm sure. Uh, I mean, I'm sure I probably doored him a time or two, but he's so nice and uh, I, I don't really feel like there's been any really confrontation with the old Weaver. I yeah, because like you'd have to hold me back then. Yeah, I know. So, <laughs> yeah. What do you think, Turbo? What you got? I mean, I think Bab is number one for sure, just because of. I mean, he, you can't you can't take anything away from him. He won the world. I think he still has a check, even though he's light. Um, squirrels in there, Booby, um, my dad Dennis, and then top five would be hard because like Fager runs good. Um, you know, there's just a lot of regional guys that, are like, have won so many races on a weekly basis there. It's hard to put them out. But I think as far as going out nationally and things like that, Fager's probably done the most out of it um, winning races. So I'd say probably the same top five, really. All right, mine is, I'll give you my reasoning. One, Shepard, national championships. Shep, yeah, yeah national sure. championships, uh, multiple crown jewels. Two, I'm going to go with Dennis Herb Jr. Oh, wait, no, Shannon Babb. Shannon Babb, yeah. he's the GOAT. Then I go third, Dennis Herb Jr., won the dream. He's won several summer nationals. I mean, you're going to be up there with him anyway. I would say you're four, just, or Bobby's four and you're five. I mean, it's just a hodgepodge, though. You can just yeah, throw them no, all in a mix. And I it, mean, they're all good. That's why I try to tell people. We, we actually have a really – we're pretty fortunate. We have a really good state. I uh, mean, if you really think about it, like, if you're 12th and 13th and 14th, 
drivers currently are like Ryan Unzicker, like Mike Spatola. Like, you have a damn good state of racing yeah. in my mm-hmm. opinion. Region is, so. No, Regional's tough. Yeah, yeah, regional's tough. That's why I always tell people, you always know when regional is tough is because when you come into a World of Outlaw race and half their guys are taking provisionals to make it, yeah. it just shows you how tough that the local guys are around there. And we're going to do one more question, not the last question. This is my last question. You can have another one, Turbo. You've basically you've done it all. You've raced for somebody. You've done your own equipment. What is the one thing that maybe we need changed in super late model racing? Because you've been an advocate. You've We've talked about it. It's getting more expensive. What do you think is like one little tweak or one thing you would like to see here in the next two or three years? Um, I'd like to just see it, like, have time off. I feel like we race so much. And there's never a moment. Like, I just like to have a winner. Like, you know, we used to you used to only race when I first started from, heck, February. When February always start? Their season never started till like, May or something. Yeah, or, yeah. First, you know, of, first of May to Labor Day. Yeah, so when when I first started, heck, we, we were lucky maybe to start racing in April. And then you were done by at least September, you know, August, September. Maybe if, I don't even know that we ran races in October back then. So, I physically myself, I, I just I think it's it's grueling, it's it's demanding, it takes a lot of time, and I feel like as I get older, I'm taking a lot of time away from my family, and um, that definitely could be the part of me that, you know, decides sometime, maybe sooner and later, uh, to walk away just because it's so time consuming, you know, to be away from your family. And I think it's. I don't think that's going to be hard to stop because there's always going to be a driver that's going to go no matter what. And if they're getting 20 to 30 cars in November and they have a packed house, then yeah, if you're a promoter, just, you're going to do they're it. They're going to so do it. I mean, that's. Basically, but again, you have to race. Otherwise, you're going to be behind the eight ball and it's going yeah. to take you a while to catch up. So I would like to see a break too. Rigsby's always an advocate for that. Turbo, though, he's just going to race every day. It don't matter. So he's yeah, the one doing I'm, this all. I'm young. I, I, got, <laughs> I, I don't have kids or anything like that. Yeah. I definitely see it. Like even Kyle, like Kyle, you could tell he's like. There's just points where he's ready to go home. But for me, I can, like, and, you know, right now it's just, like, I'm just getting a taste of it. Squirrel's been doing it for yeah, 20 years, you know. Almost 20 years in it now. It's hard to believe, but I'm 18 or 19, so. Yeah, I'm still a rookie. Yeah. <laughs> you are. You got any last questions before we get to the big one? No, you can hit the big one. All right, so every person we have on the show, we do a driver assessment of Tyler. We're trying to make him the best driver possible. Obviously, you can see this year he's improved. We got some tips from Mark Richards, Todd Turner, all the you know the head honchos in this. We're points racing right now. We're just making him a nice, comfortable driver. So I want you to give an assessment on Tyler Herb, what he needs to work on, what maybe he's good at, and maybe just needs to work on different things in racing because we're trying to make him the ultimate driver. So you give us your honest driver assessment of Tyler Herb. And a letter grade. And a letter grade. And a letter grade from when I first met you? Yeah, you could do a, a – like a grade eight to grade twelve, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I mean, you remember when I first met you, you were hell on wheels, boy. He was like <laughs> wanting to just go out there and let it dig. Really wasn't much finesse and understanding the cars. But then once you got uh, to where you got the rocket, you know, he he really started driving better and understanding his in the race car, and um, and that's something that I feel like I've I've seen from you because I you know went through that and growed with you on that part of being around you from when he was first there uh, to just want it to be rough and digging, you know, and, and on the foot. So from then to now, I mean, he's he's come full circle to, uh, you know, be able to win, you know, big races and stuff like that. So uh, I'd have to definitely say 
I'd give you, you know, as far as a letter grade from where you are to where you are now, you're definitely probably B plus to an A minus. You know what I mean? I mean, Hell yeah. you, you don't get an A plus to you win a crown jewel. That's why. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's just, I mean, the crown jewel thing is so crazy. Like I've, I mean, I hope to get good enough to where I can win one again. Uh, if I don't ever win one again, I guess at least I was lucky to win one. But it's just such a different mindset to physically figure out how to be good at at the lap 100 so but as far as your driving um to make you a better driver than what you are now uh i would probably just tell you just to breathe a little i feel like you're you have the capability i mean you, you you definitely you're a good race car driver you have everything um as far as driving style you can get up on the wheel when you need to you can slow down when you need to uh but you know sometimes i just feel like maybe uh you know you know how it is i mean i do the same thing you just get a little tense wound yeah, up. You know i mean yeah. you just get nervous put yourself in a bad spot and i feel like that's what's really good about sheppy like and maybe some of it's just how good his car is i don't know but it's like he seems like he can just wait a mm-hmm. little bit longer than where you know a guy like yourself and even me i'm not saying that i don't do it uh we just don't seem like we we wait enough yeah where like i said over the last year or two you've watched sheppy and hell he could be 10th and then all of a sudden the race is over and he wins the race right you know it's just it's real it's it's crazy Perfect. Not that, man. That's, I mean, that's pretty honest. Yeah, I mean, that's crazy true. i sit here and think about this every night i'm sure he does too yeah. like that's what you do you lay up there and you think you're like like, why didn't I win? What, you know, what could I have done better? And, you know, sometimes it's qualifying. Sometimes it's lap yeah. one. You blasted in, parked in the fence. I mean, you just got to. And sometimes it's just physically not your night. Yeah. I mean, that's just, yeah. we, we all, but we all do do the same. I mean, as Kyle, I talked to Kyle this morning. He said, man, I, I felt like I didn't sleep an ounce last night. He was so disappointed on how he ran. And, and so, you know, we're racers. We don't want to just show show up and do bad. Um, people just don't understand how tough it really is. It's yeah. just not as easy as what it looks for, say, like Overton and Jimmy and Brandon to be where they're at right now. Um, it just, it, one, it takes a good team around you and uh, people around you and support. And that's, you know, physically one of our biggest things right now is we just, we got to get, it's just been me and Aaron for the last, yeah. you know, two months. And we're running ourselves ragged just because, you know, crew guys come and go right now because they, they don't want to work as hard as it takes. It physically takes a lot of work to do this. Yeah, so just breathe. Keep working hard, Turbo. We're going to be winning a national championship here in the horizon. So, well, Brian, thanks for taking time out of your day. I know you're busy with only you and another crew guy. Uh, keep the hot streak going to the summer nationals and uh, appreciate you being on, brother. Oh, yeah, I appreciate it. It was a good time hanging out with you guys get a little bonding here and uh, <laughs> maybe it'll move over to a, a good night here for night one turbo i mean if you would have saw squirrel when he first started racing late models in like the mid 2000s and he had his piercings and frosted tips you would have died like i don't even know if you would have like talked to him like you've probably been scared of him at 16 when he's wearing all that stuff but he was a funny dude always been a good racer always been nice to me but man those frosted tips were great yeah, Squirrel, he's a man. I'm telling you, he. I always the the flashback video that they just had on Dirt on Dirt like a week ago. I sent him, I sent him the screenshot of him when he won at Knoxville, 
And I said, you look like a playboy. And he said, you don't know nothing about that. And I like zoomed in on his earrings and stuff. Like, <laughs> it's still, I, I give him shit about it all the time. It's hilarious to me. Cause he just like, if you know him now, you don't really think he's that type of person. Like, but back then he was kind of like a pretty boy and like, he was. I don't, he says he was a bad boy, but you can't have frosted tips and pierced ears and be a bad boy. Exactly. I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't fit for that me. might be a thing in the motorcycle world too, though. If you have frosted it, tips it, and it earrings, must, it, must be. So yeah, I, it must be a, a thing. That's a two wheel thing, not a four wheel thing. Yeah. Well, moving on. You mentioned at the top of the show that Dixie and Rome isn't your top cup of tea. Why is that? And why is it going to be a challenge for you this weekend? Oh, it's just. I've been to Dixie one time last year, and it's like a, it's just a weird racetrack. All those tracks in the South have their characteristics, and for whatever reason, I really like Sonoa, Brunswick, Screven even, but Dixie's just a, I mean, it's a weird place, and you can ask Clanton and all them guys that grew up around there. You just, you got to race there every weekend, and that's why Michael Page is so good. He's raced there for 25 years, and he just, he knows how to get around that place. It's, it's a lot of finesse. And I think it's just really easy to overdrive. And that's, you know, where I tend to do better is when I can really just get up on the wheel and make something happen. So it's a, it's tough, but I mean, like I said, I've only been there one time and it takes a lot of time. We don't, I always kid with Randall. I was like, they're lucky. We don't ever get to go to my neck of the woods. If we could go to battleground, Arklatex and stay in Mississippi for about two months, like it might be a different story, but you know, you just, uh, you don't always you don't always get your cake and get to eat it so uh it's just uh you know it's it's part of you know sticking your neck out there we could all stay around our own area and try to be big fishes and little ponds but you know i think to be truly the best you got to go out out of your comfort zone and race at places that you don't really want to and hopefully in 10 to 15 years i can be like jimmy and every track's a home track i'm just good there <laughs> Lucas Oil, two weeks remaining. This will be your finish of your second year on Lucas. You ran two or three years on the World of Outlaws. What's some of the similar similarities of the two national series and some differences, and what makes them, you know, their own uh, animal, I guess I should say? I mean, I think uh, when I ran Outlaws, it was Shep, Marler, um, you know, Clanton. So I had the, those that was the big three over there when I raced it. And, uh, you know, you just, there's really good drivers and people don't give the guys that run, you know, fifth through 10th in points, a lot of credit. Sometimes the, the chase young hands, uh, Kate Dillard last year, Kate Dillard last year, you know, a lot of people were like, who's Kate Dillard. And now this year, he's a name that everyone knows because he grinded and got a lot better and winning races now. So it's just the, the similarities are the guys that don't win every night. If they race regionally, they would probably win 10 to 15 races a year. And people don't give them a lot of credit for that. And it, it would, like I said, it'd be real easy for, for Tanner English to race Clarksville, Paducah, and places he's comfortable with and win a lot of races every year and, you know, be a big name like that. But, you know, for him to go out on tour and struggle and get better, that's what's going to make him a better racer at the end. And that's something you see on both series. And that's one similarity. Uh, one difference I will say is the. You know, all the crown jewels, it seems like, for whatever reason, the Lucas guys, like when I ran Outlaws and the Lucas guys would show up, I was like, God damn, there's Jimmy Owens, there's, like, Scott. I, would, I don't know, it just always, like, I was like, man, them guys are really good. And it's not that, you know, Shep and Clan and them guys weren't good, because they would, I mean, they, I think they split it 50-50, who wins, it's just, 
for whatever reason, Lucas, to me, it's like people always say, oh, there's more smoke. Lucas is better. Lucas is this. But, I mean, Sheppy's good. If Sheppy ran Lucas, he'd win 10 to 15 races a year over there, too. So, it's just the, I don't know, I think the the way the series is presented and, you know, some of the bigger races and a lot of the tracks they go to, they, they kind of make it seem like Lucas is better. But me personally, I think both series are equal. And, you know, if you go to the, if you go to Cedar Lake or if you go to Florence, uh, I mean, they're both just as hard to make and, you know, they're, they're tough crowds. So I, uh, I don't know. I, I'd like to go back and run outlaws now, you know, now that I've been on both series and I feel like I'm a lot more experienced now than I was when I ran outlaws, but, uh, you know, from time in, we're gonna stick with Lucas and try to win the points championship next year. I guess. Real quick, Brandon Overton in a sprint car. What'd you think of that picture? I saw you retweeted it. That's funny. That's Phillips. That's Phillips. Phillips smells at Longhorn. He was at Longhorn, and that's Phillips supposed to race three hundred fives. I guess at Bulls Gap or something. I don't know. I don't know if I'd race a sprint car at Bulls Gap, but Phillips is uh, <laughs> supposed to race it. And, I mean, more power to him. The funniest part about the whole deal is he was – there's a video of Phillip. you got to get somebody to post it on Twitter. He was uh, – they were trying to fire it off one day at Longhorn. Someone showed me the video. Well, like, he was telling them, like, hey, hey, no, 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 because it wouldn't start. Well, at the last second, this thing took off, and he, like, ran it through the weeds. And he didn't crash it, but I think he, you know, he shit himself a little bit because <laughs> he almost crashed it. Because I, I don't know if he's ever – I didn't even really ask him. I don't know if he's ever even go with Sprint Car, but – he, that was his first taste of that particular sprint car getting fired off, and I think it scared him a little bit. Yeah, it was just a funny photo. Definitely got some rumors. I texted Overton. I said, world finals question mark, and he said, we'll see. So I don't know if he's got some tricks up his sleeve. You never know with Big Sexy. Yeah, he's wild. I don't know what he's doing. He's he's all over the place. The only thing is you can't race a sprint car in flip-flops, so he might be SOL. <laughs> that was funny. Well, Turbo, it's been a great hour of talking to you. Shirley was awesome as always. We're going to get some big wins here in the near future. 2020 is winding down. Thanks for joining me today, and uh, we'll have another one here soon. Yeah, that's right. 2021, we're looking forward to it. going to be a lot, a lot of races, and uh, you know, it should be good. There'll be there's no silly season. There's no PRI, so that we won't have a silly season, right? Or will we? I think we should have a show during the day of PRI that was supposed to be, and just Call different drivers. You're in the studio with me and Rigsby. We're getting the good notes. What do you think? I mean, I think it'd be good. We could have our own PRI, but it would be more vulgar. I want to. My goal is it for it to be like the Joe Rogan show when he interviews Mike Tyson. That's what I want to hear. I want to hear like from like training to like smoking DMT, tripping, trying to figure out how you're 51 going to box again. That's what I like. That's what I want. PRI night. All right, let's get Bloomer on the line then. Oh, my goodness. Stop it. That'd be great. It would be good. Oh, yeah. He won. He's back. Yeah, how about that? Yeah, that was two weeks ago. Finally, Scott gets the dub. He said he couldn't feel his legs, but now he can. Oh, so now he's back. He's back. Had a good run at Eldora. Got a win there out in PA. So, Bloomquist showing some light here at the end of 2020. You racing Gateway in a modified? Do what? Are you racing Gateway in a modified again? Late model stock at Gateway. Best performance number one, baby. Oh, my. You heard it here first on the show. Thanks, Turbo. All right, see you.